Hello and welcome back to another episode of the one-on-one version of Maybe We'll Learn Something. I'm here with my guest today, Andy Corbley. Um, I've known Andy for, I guess, like, what, four or five months now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we met through Andy's brother, Jack, who um, I've been on his podcast, All Right Radio, multiple times. And you have your own podcast, too, right? I do, Chasing Diamonds with Andy, yeah. Nice. What do you guys what do you guys talk about? Well, up till now, it's just been a sort of stream of consciousness. So sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I'll do researched, you know, amateur histories. Cool. But now... Um, as I'm departing on my trip, it's going to sort of fulfill the potential that I imagined it originally, which is to be able to document my journey through South America. So you're going to be, uh, so Andy's going on a trip to South America this summer, and uh, I know you've been talking about it for a while, and you seem very excited about it. Yeah, um, it's sort of a case of, I imagine you've got some nice cultured listeners here, so <laughs> if I can just pull us back to a nice reference uh, from Fight Club where Durden says, uh, after fighting, everything in your life has the volume turned down. Uh. So, last summer I backpacked across Europe, and you find that when you come home, the volume is turned down. Because gotcha. in the same way LSD sort of makes everything really more like truthful and interesting, uh-huh. um, travel is the same thing. Small things when traveling are like amplified to their effect. Yeah. And so, I just became like... Uh, it's all I could think about. Well, I know some people get like addicted to traveling where they'll just, you know, go on what they plan to be a backpacking trip and then they'll just make that their life is that they work odd jobs and they travel and they're kind of nomadic. People really like that. You're right. My third episode I did with my aunt, Mary, and she did the same thing. She was just aching to go out of high school, went to Europe and then did like along the med and ended up working in Israel Wow. On kibbutz, which are these like little planned communities mm-hmm. for almost five months. And the only reason she came home was because my grandfather died. Um, oh. But after that, she went out and um, basically sailed around the world. That's awesome. So you come from a family of travelers, it sounds like. In a way, yeah. <laughs> we, um, my parents, I thought, did a really good job. They kind of got the bug out mm-hmm. before they had my brother. Gotcha. Uh, my older brother. And so... My dad had already been, you know, thoroughly across the United States, and my mom had gone skiing in Austria and Switzerland and nice. Italy, and um, saw a lot of that cool stuff. So they, yeah, it was never, it was very encouraged. The first time I left the country was fourteen. Cool. So I'm, uh, I'm. I've only been to Canada, other than the United States, and that was like right Niagara Falls. So it's like almost just still New York. So well, not you, got, really. you got that one on me then, because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to Canada. It's um, kind of the same, just like a little lamer. I heard it's a little nicer and a little colder, which offsets the cold. Everybody's everybody, um, not only just nice as far as like it's cleaner, but it's also nice as in like people yeah. are usually more upbeat. Cleaner, that's an interesting thing, which you don't kind of imagine has much of like, like you don't imagine there's a big slider for clean countries, but man, in Germany, I remember oh, being I in imagine. Munich, in Munich and thinking like, this is almost a computer-generated city because there was no trash, and on the main thoroughfares, like, everything was perfectly spaced. There was a walking... On the sidewalk, they had, like, a pedestrian lane, a bike lane, and then the shoulder of the road, and then the f- two lanes it's going like in each direction. It's like a country with almost. Yeah, exactly. It was a perfectly proportioned, <laughs> you know... Uh, thoroughfare and I we just know those thought, Germans like perfection you know so anyway but so um, travel was yeah inundated when I was young my aunt would visit and she lived in the Bahamas nice I think has done so for my whole life so she and um, her partner whom she never married but we always would just call uncle they would visit every couple of years and and spoil us and bring um, all kinds of stories about like managing Johnny Depp's private island. And, what? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and how every morning she would dance around with Johnny Depp's underwear on her head just to remind herself of what of, the like, fuck what was happening. That's... <laughs> so they would always come back with cool stories like that. And I, I'm not sure if that had any direct reason why I've become sort of like this travel guy, but I can't imagine that it did the opposite. You know? Yeah, it's of definitely. I feel comfortable yeah with the idea of 
kind of just throwing myself into the river like that. Well, and it's cool to do it while you're young and you have, you know, as minimal responsibilities as you can. And, you know, you don't have kids or anything yet you have to worry about. So yeah. get it out while you can, you know. And t- um, I've worked a lot of like just kind of regular labor jobs. And you see a lot of guys who are just... They're waiting for that pension, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go travel. But, you know, you're 54 at this point. Yeah. You have a bum knee. I, I want to be able to do... I want to be able to, like, abuse my body when I travel. Because that, gotcha. that will allow me to really immerse myself in the experience. But if I have to um, sort of take care of myself, it's... That's... I'm not in... I'm, I don't want to wait for that, man. I want to get it out while I'm young and while yeah. I can get battered. While you, Yeah, while you can do it. That's and that's what I found in Europe last summer was there you do your the best you can but sometimes you don't eat for ten hours and mm. what you do is just bread and it's like you, you, <laughs> re, you if you're conscious of that sort of thing like me you you get kind of crazy you're just like I want something green yeah well you know? for for me if I was going to a bunch of different places especially like Europe oh my god I just want to be stuffing my face the whole time it's. Uh, I had a three or f- let's say four paid for like nice meals and yeah man it's really I can imagine it's a lot of fun I had horse horse which, yeah so in Lucca Italy so we were passing all we knew is that we were going from Marseille in southern France to Rome uh-huh and I said to my sister who was traveling with me okay um let's stop in Lucca and she asked what's Lucca and I said well imagine the most quaint little Italian village surrounded by Renaissance-era walls, and that's Luca. So she didn't really know anything about the area, but we found a couch-surfing host who would take us. His name was Stefano. Oh, nice. Um, and we went into the walled city of Luca, and it was a fun, it was a great day, but we went to this little restaurant, beautiful little, not so much a hole in the wall, but mm-hmm. the buildings are all so tightly packed, it's hard to sort of differentiate it's hard to put any character in your like your store window Mm because you only get like let's say a foot and a half of actual window space gotcha but we go in nobody speaks english we're just kind of (laughs) pointing i i've i studied opera before in earlier in my life so i understood certain italian words unfortunately nothing really related to food yeah i was about to say (laughs) (laughs) but um we may do and um uh, yeah, I ordered, I saw, it was like, uh, tartar de caballo. Yeah, and I was cab- like, caballo. Or, or cavallo, yeah. that would be Spanish that I just did. <laughs> my Spanish takeover. So, cava- cava cavallo, and I said, horse, you know, nah! and she laughed and said, yeah. <laughs> you actually made like, like a horse? Uh, yeah, I, I made like, as, fuck. as reserved as possible, because it was one of those places where the daughter is the host, Yeah. the, the, the dad and the son are the cooks, the mom is the waiter, so it was very i felt immediately at home there yeah i had horse it very was a raw horse oriented. and as you might imagine it was really lean wait but it was raw yeah horse tartar because the thing is like there's no virtually no fat on a horse gotcha so if you cook it it loses a lot of the flavor not that it has a whole lot of flavor when it's raw but <laughs> it does have some um but you find they gave me they give you like a couple different kinds of pestos to mm-hmm. try with it. But and then moving on in Italy, it was just impossible not to just eat pizza and pasta every. So their stereotypical the stereotypical foods are actually like real then. Yeah, pizza, I mean pasta. Absolutely. Uh, to be fair, we didn't. Ex- I mean, aside from Luca, which was how was the wine? Did you, did you dude, the wine? the wine was. The best wine I'd ever have. In that restaurant, we got a $4 bottle. And it was what? better than any wine I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah. It was just... It's like the flavor is so much more um, frenetic. It's like really raw and... and well, it's probably made right nearby. Yeah. Right? And, it, it, you know... Yeah, it was really weird. But And then... the she just let us like walk out the door with it. My sister just carried it around in oh her backpack God. all day. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> gives you it. a second look. So it's hard not to. Yeah. But the thing with Europe is obviously it's a, is expensive mm-hmm. um, because what you find when you're traveling, especially if you're born in a place like England or um, France or America, you realize that the vast majority of the world are, is uh, lives on much fewer 
or a, a much weaker economy, let's say. Gotcha. So your dollar can go far if you go to a place like Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. Now, traveling across Europe, that doesn't work, especially in a place like Germany. Gotcha. So you do have to be mindful of it. So you do kind of eat bread and so yogurt places when with you thriving, can, like very thriving economies. Exactly. So Italy wasn't so bad, but definitely France and Germany. Belgium was hard as well because mm, they have I all, can imagine. You know, all the money in the world. So. Jeez. But these are just examples of like traveling gives you opportunities to experience something that you thought you had it down. Yeah. You thought you had eating down. Well, and that's like in America, we have a very um, rigid mindset of the way we do it's correct. You know, we're number one and everything like that. And you go out to other places and you see that it just doesn't work the same. Like, isn't it true in parts of Europe, like places will close down in the middle of the day for oh, people to take naps or that something like that? my sister and I out like four times really? at the beginning of the trip. So we started in Ireland where they don't do that. Okay. But after Ireland, we took the ferry to Cherbourg in France. And God, this sounds fucking awesome. And, <laughs> dude, the, fa the ferry with, you know, quotations, it was basically a cruise ship. It was really cool. Gotcha. Um, um, and we met some cool Irish dudes who are going to ride their motorcycles across Europe. And actually, one of them do is, does the intro piece for my podcast. He oh, recorded cool. that. He's a musician. Um, he invited me to come live with him and start a punk rock band. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that I wasn't hugely tempted to do that. but You should. You play bass, right? I do. Awesome. And didn't you play in a band in L.A. or something? Yeah, I did. So that, that might have been my, like preeminent travel experience because mm -hmm. when i was 14 i went to england as part of a shakespeare troupe That's and cool. i did get to see some cool stuff like i saw london which is psychedelic in its strangeness where really once you when you see downtown or when you see it from the thames it looks like the most sprawling infinite like mega what's it like mega what's the name of the city from judge dread <laughs> Me I haven't seen Megalopolis or something Megalopolis? like this. That sounds familiar, it's a, actually. It's a city that stretches from New York to, like, um, Columbus, South Carolina. It's just encompassed the entire Damn. eastern seaboard. And it looks like that. It just goes on as far as the eye can see. But then when you're on the ground, all the buildings are wooden. They all have, like, varnished wood trim front windows. Really? It's, it's weird because you think you're in this this behemoth and then so something about it seems very local well that's cool yeah you know that they can in incorporate both of those exactly and i got to see shakespeare's birthplace uh stratford upon avon is the city it's called and cool. it's, it, that was like a fairy tale cobblestones as, as high as soccer balls and no street traffic god you're making me just want to like <laughs> save up money and go travel now <laughs> do it man uh, but anyway so I was 14, and a lot of that was, like, pre-planned. We had chaperones, yeah. you know, whatever. So <laughs> when I was 19, I was in a heavy metal band. Cool. And we moved to Los Angeles to try to make a name for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I... Were you guys all from this area? Yeah, actually. The okay. the guy, the guitar player, lived just down the street on Brentsville Road. Gotcha. That's where we would practice. Um, the drummer lived in Woodbridge, but... Let's see. So the drummer didn't want to join us. So it was just me and D-Rock was his name. D-Rock. Yeah. <laughs> what a sick fucking name. So we went out there and he was um he was a really charismatic musician. But I did have my doubts, but I was young and stupid, so I just didn't listen to them. He was like 46. The dr the, the guitarist, wait, the guitar, yeah, 19, right? <laughs> so that's going to work. No, but so I had a crazy six months where I went there, lost all my money almost immediately. He went, I guess for lack of a more educated term, because I don't really know for sure, but it seemed like he became uncommunicable because I think he went like insane to some degree. Did he like, he had a lot of, much, I know he had a lot of acid or something. Well, he, he's, he would, so <laughs> he met a woman almost immediately named alexis vogel and he just had this way with that name people. sounds like fucking trouble she that was name sounds like trouble she, her net worth was 15 mil oh she shit. was the makeup artist for pamela anderson for like 26 years wow so she lived in uh silmar in the valley and so he nice. just like left me in hermosa beach he's like uh, fuck this <laughs> this is this like penniless street urchin and that's not very punk went, rock well yeah well <laughs> so she calls me one day. 
I haven't really been able to. He was a hard man to get in touch with at the best of times through okay. the phone. But she calls me and says, have you seen him? I haven't heard from him. I was like, no, I haven't heard from him. What happened? And she explains that he's become like intolerable. He can barely, you can barely speak to him unless he's like smoked crazy amounts of the ganja. <laughs> so, and I don't know. He just, one day he just left. Jeez. And half his shit is, I guess, still in her garage, or she might have thrown it out. But yeah, that was the end, the last I ever heard from him. But, Poor D Rock. So I was just kind of left Rest in, peace. in Los Angeles. So I, I moved into a room. So I was homeless, and I slept on the beach. Wow. And I hadn't eaten for. So the morning of the third day of no food, aside from like scraps that I had pulled out of rubbish bins. Damn, I, son, you, <laughs> you, you had an exciting rock, time, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I'm. Um, I met this guy who D Rock had introduced me to far earlier in the venture. His name was uh, Greg, Greg Ladani from Boston, and Boston, and he was a bouncer at a local bar. And he, was, I saw him sitting outside of a Paisanos, and as it went, he had. A, sort of like a deal with the guys at Paisanos. He got $2 slices of pizza because he scared some goons out who were like wrecking the place one day because he's the biggest guy I've ever known. He did like, uh, I think his he did like a 1,058-pound bench or leg press. What the fuck? Yeah, Wait, he, I'm trying to just think how many plates that is. Yeah, right? So that's he at had, least he 10. He had to go to that's a at really least, special place. That's yeah, like 10 to 11 were, plates. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I do like four Maybe, yeah, maybe five. He He's the biggest and strongest. He's the kind of dude who like can't even like playfully push you without you becoming really alarmed. Yeah. And I remember one time he came into the apartment I was in. I was sharing it with a friend of Greg's. And he was like so drunk he couldn't even recognize oh, like God. anything. And he came in and just like gave my roommate like an, a playful two-handed shove and sent him through the door of my room into me and both of us into the side table my, my bedside table Fuck that. and we were just sitting there like oh god i can imagine um anyway so i see him outside of the paisanos he calls me over we start talking he's like wow you're a real smart kid and he buys me a piece of hawaiian pizza nice fresh sicilian like the deep like the pan pizza i bet it tastes and that was like the heaven. first yeah. food uh, piece of food i had eaten significant food in like three days jeez so that's I bet why it was the greatest i always thing ever want had. hawaiian pizza to be ordered at parties because for me it's like and then you have those fucks <gasps> who say pineapple doesn't belong on pizza right so he chris mcfee i i ask him uh do you have do you know anybody who's like could rent a room out or something who could let me like crash on their couch for a few days and he said yeah i got one guy so he introduces me to his friend lj lj is this tiny five foot five bald goblin like dude with beady <laughs> eyes and big ears um from chicago and it was funny i look back everybody Chicagoan. i met there was just from other places in the united states like i didn't know any native californians really or at least i did but none of them were my friends gotcha. i didn't like any of the native californians <laughs> but i uh come to find out that this man partakes in crack cocaine oh. often oh and often invites people over to partake you know, in crack yeah so <laughs> i was basically living in a crack den <laughs> for like the next two months until i got a job and was able to afford my own place yeah in la in la jeez well i mean i couldn't afford my own place i i, I rented not a, a crack room. den not yeah. just not a crack den. not just not <laughs> something else basically yeah so but time went on and the music thing wasn't really happening because i was so busy living my life and like making money and yeah I, I had a great yet really demanding job at a very busy restaurant on the beach beachfront restaurant called cool. brazilian steakhouse oh nice where they come with the big skewers yeah i meat. love those yeah love those. so i was one of the guys who'd cut the i was one of the gauchos as they were called yeah not better not be jipping people um so anyway six months to the to the day when i arrived i actually left because mm -hmm. i said Fuck this, this is too much i don't like any of the people here and that's kind of what it came down to was like the people and the weather the weather's always perfect and all the people suck. 
So I gotta get so out of you, here. So you like the perfect weather, though? Or no, I, you, well, you didn't it's like hard to weather. say because I did, but I didn't. Because did it get old? Is when that it's what you're 75, saying? sunny with a breeze every single day with a high of like 82 during midday. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just like there's no urgency. You know yeah. it'll always be there for you. The I went beach to, will always yeah. be there. I was five blocks from the beach making like 2400 a a month at my nice. job paying 500 for rent. I, I, I you had, must have had a lot of disposable income then. I, at that point. I shopped at Whole Foods exclusively, <laughs> bitch. That's that's how you know you made it. Exactly. Is only but I just, Whole Foods. I just uh, couldn't dig the environment, I guess. So I moved back in with my parents yeah. as a triumphant miscreant of 20 years old. And well, that must be weird to go from L.A. back to um, you know Prince William. Yeah, in a way, it is. Please I mean, don't now dox looking us. back, it seems sort of routine because I've been to a lot of places at this mm-hmm. point. So it's you know, it's whatever, but, um, and then I think this would be a good time to, there's a, another part of this story, it, it sort of goes on, so once I returned, my aunt, who had recently separated with her partner of many, many years, yeah, invited me to stay at her house in the Bahamas while she comes to the U.S. for medical reasons. Gotcha. So... My dad, who owed her, it's my father's sister, and she Uh had done some really routine but expensive electrical work for us one time when she visited. So as far as my father was concerned, he owed her one. So she, he kind of like sends me there (laughs) as like... Not a bad place to be sent. Yeah. So I'm on the plane flying now into Nassau, and I look at the customs and immigration card, and at the bottom it says... Please specify which island you're staying at. And they have nine choices. It's like a, uh, yeah. a box. Um, and you're you don't tick, know the name the of the boxes. island? I don't know the name of the island. Oh, so I go up to the, the woman at Customs and Immigration and I say, All I know is I'm flying into Dead Man's Key. <laughs> um, what? Do you know that's which island? That's it? the name of the airport did she yeah. like point you to the runway and there's some dude in like a two-person helicopter with a sign that says andy spelled wrong or some shit you're not far off really so she basically says oh dead man's key and she checks the box mark she turns white looks down just starts, <laughs> dead man's key she ticks the box like marked. she crosses across her chest like the catholic thing real quick yeah right <laughs> she crosses the box marked other oh shit <laughs> so i knew then i was in in the in the the real deal so i go to the terminal and it's it's like the roof like the ceiling of the airport is not much higher than the ceiling of your bedroom it's like oh my god yeah it's not for everybody listening that's like maybe 10 feet and the roar of all the portable air conditioning units like powered powering (laughs) the stores because there was no central like climate control anyway i i get to the tarmac and i look out black top weeds growing through spaces and there's just like this little rudder plane yes two hours later the sky starts boarding and when i say start boarding it literally means come on <laughs> there's no and like so we all no like, like walk out this door onto the runway and the plane has the rudders the uh, the or rather the propeller engines and they're yeah. going they're not calling you by section out no, the plane. No, no, like no. preferred diamond just, members we all just climb on and I get to my seat and I look to the left. There's a big, no lie, X of duct tape across the inside yes, of the dude. fuselage. Fuck yes. And the dude, the co-pilot, climbs up the the stairs, He's which got, were like, a like deployable, you know. And he basically does the pre-flight announcement, screaming at us over the sound <laughs> of the engine. I can just picture it. Yes. Um... And we, yeah, we took off, and the whole plane is, you know, very rickety, and, and but nobody seems in danger. Everyone around me seems totally relaxed, so I kind of that made me relaxed. Yeah, and I look behind me. There's just like the cone of the tail is where all the baggage is, and it uh-huh. was clearly just they just threw it in there. Yeah, because it just looked it was just a giant pile. So how many how many people are in this? There was probably like eighteen or twenty people in this little plane. Okay, wow. And we fly for 58 minutes, and I'll never forget, 
as we started our descent, the curtain to the po- oh, by the way, the po- the cockpit was covered by a cur- separated by a curtain, and the curtain went and and slid open, so I can now see out of the windscreen of the plane. Nice. And I just see this tiny piece of blacktop, the size of a match, in the distance, sticking out of this like just trees. It's wow. just the jungle. And we fly over half of it before touching down. Oh. I seriously didn't think we had oh, enough. No. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> but everything like, was Even fine. at like commercial airports, yeah. I'm like, fuck, are we going to make it? And it, So I can't imagine seeing that. It is, yeah, it's those moments where you, you just sort of have to sit down and realize that this happens every day. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And so, yeah, I did. And there was my aunt waiting for me. And she drove me in this beat up. Subaru had like 340,000 miles on it back to her place and she left shortly after but so for two weeks I was in like the jungle yeah properly rural Bahamas internet eh, maybe we used a hot she used a a hot spot on uh, her phone yeah um power sometimes water questionable yeah <laughs> actually the water was situation was much better but there was no middle ground it was either yeah. you turn on the faucet towards hot like in the shower if you turned it to tw- to to 1201 mm-hmm. it would eventually and not slowly turn to like scalding hot shit if you turned it to 1159 freezing cold freezing cold so, yeah it's no just, middle ground yeah um but i just had to and she int- before she left, she introduced me to her two neighbors. There was a woman who I didn't really spend any time with, but there was a young guy about my age. His name was Thaddeus. Thaddeus. He was the son of Greek and British expats who lived in the Bahamas, and he hung out with me all the time. We went canoeing or kayaking on this open awesome. sea. He took me boar hunting with his brother. That's sick. And... We, and the yeah, and we played. We actually played some video games. He had Halo, which was hilarious. But he had Halo One. So it's like, fuck. If you're you gonna know. have Halo and you're gonna be stuck somewhere, I'd hope it's like two or three. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but it was just, and it, this is what taught me. This is what really I think spawned the travel bug. It was Europe that kind of finished banging the nail in, but yeah. this really did it because it was the first time I got some real deep insight spiritually into. Hu- the human condition and that this is a good place to take this yeah yeah this from my experience is that humans are relative creatures okay in and that is most prevalent when it involves our living space yeah is that if you are in a place like the bahamas where it is 105 degrees with 100 percent humidity and three types of swarming insects people go fucking nuts no no the opposite happens what that's your environment and you just sort of settle in, and shit becomes relative. Okay. Suddenly, all you need is a chair, and water of any kind, and like a cup of tea, and you're just as satisfied as com- as you would now, coming home after a long day at work, nice air-conditioned room, fire up a great video game, weed, whatever you need to fully <laughs> t- unwind yeah. now, it's whatever is available there okay and what's weird is that's all you need all you need is whatever is there and that's what the bahamas taught me that's cool and so when i planned this trip to south america i thought i want to go somewhere where i can replicate that again because it's fascinating and i want to know more so this would be a good time to ask what parts while you what parts are you um going to be visiting in south america like what countries what cities so or lack of cities lack of well i i had to sort of europe uh, backpacking across europe as a young american is easy loads of fun yeah um but it doesn't show you a whole lot about yourself i did learn that i love art okay so i have since become a fanatic for fine art the fine arts since and, since europe since or, europe okay gotcha because that was so i would consider it my first classical education you know i went to the Louvre, it's a great twice. Crash course. Yeah. I went to the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. You know, I saw some real shit. You know, yeah. real. I saw David. I saw the you know Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. I saw a lot of wonderful art, and I I went to the Pinacotech galleries in Munich, which were extraordinary. And so, 
there you do learn a lot from that, but it didn't teach me a lot of like, well, well, what a, what a sort of traveler am I in terms of what what am I most excited for? Okay. So when I was looking at my next trip, I knew it. I wanted it to be remote, and so I sort of came down to either it was like three choices realistically. Uh huh. Just because I'm not. It's a very opposite enough. end of the spectrum as compared to Europe. Yeah. So I knew I was either going to do Southern Africa. Okay. I was going to do South America or Southeast Asia. Gotcha. So sort of like a Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar God, that'd be deal. Cool as fuck, man. A South Amer- South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zambia deal, or a Ecuador, Peru, Chile deal, which okay. is what I eventually settled on. So Ecuador, Peru, and Chile are going to be the biggest ones, then. Those are the yeah. So, but um, I wanted to try to squeeze in a trip to Africa at the same time. Okay. Because I had a job a little while ago. I don't. I quit obviously because I'm about to leave. But I was making more money than I expected to. Nice. So Always I was kind of trying to add in Africa. Well, why yeah. not just do one? Why not do two? But the plane ticket to Africa was so expensive. Mm. I just thought I could see multiple extra countries in South America instead, which is what I've done. So to answer your question, yeah, and you're young, you have plenty of time. You know, if you exactly. want to go see so, Africa. My full itinerary as it stands now which i've left room for interpretation is to fly in uh so wednesday i fly to california to visit my mom because she's worried i'm gonna die and she wants to see me so um just in case you die yeah so well, this will be a good this will be a good like uh thing for people to remember you by because yeah, i think it's been going right? well so far so be no, like, I, hey, I, I andy's did last <laughs> words <laughs> the last I, recorded conversation with Andy. For sure. I did Jack's podcast yesterday, and I think he's, we said the same thing. Like yeah. <laughs> Making a bunch of televised obituaries, or radioized. Radi- Can you just say right now, I'm not going to die? Like I, So just in case I you do die, it'll be I seriously doubt like- <laughs> I die, but I'm not going to take many precautions. Like, I'm traveling through a region that is controlled by the FARC. What's that? So the... Let's see if I can remember that acronym. No, I can't. It's the Colombian communist revolutionary guerrilla war okay. fighters who have just uh, and they're not like three or four, it, well three or four months ago kind. they signed uh, a treaty a peace a, a peace treaty okay not just a ceasefire like a peace treaty but there's there's this thing called the Caño Cristales it's the most beautiful river in the world mm-hmm. and that's in Farklands ah. like, well I'm not I'm just I'm not not going to see the most beautiful river in the world just because it's controlled by the FARC, you know. Um, yeah. As long as there are flights going into that region, I'm going there. But anyway. It can't be too bad then. <laughs> full itinerary. Uh, California, then I return on the 8th. Okay. Watch the biggest UFC car of the, of the year with my brother at, at our house. Gotcha. And then on the 10th, I fly into Managua, which is the capital of Nicaragua. Okay. Um, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, if you didn't catch that, um, but they hate the way Americans say it. It's it. Nicaragua. It literally makes them wince. Why? <laughs> it's just like it's so visceral. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound very romantic. No, it doesn't. So, but I started taking Spanish lessons when I decided this, and this would have been like November. Yeah. My teacher Alexandra is lives in Managua, and when I was planning this trip, it was getting closer and closer, and she said. Just in passing, she's like, you should visit me. Ooh. And I said, you don't know who you're talking to because I will totally do that. <laughs> Ooh. So She's not ready for Andy. Well, not only that, but I thought, <laughs> not only is she not ready for it, but I thought to myself. Is she younger? No, I think she's like 31, but that would put her at the age of my last two girlfriends. Anyway. Yeah, you're good. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Where am I? Oh, yeah. So I thought it best if she lowered me into the culture uh-huh gracefully that would be much easier than just being thrown into it and just experiencing like the full-on culture shock of everybody not speaking your language everybody wearing really colorful clothing yeah you know I whatever mean, you pretty colorful yeah clothing. i try <laughs> <laughs> um i actually decided i'm not gonna buy any more clothing made in Europe or America, I'm only going to buy t- clothing on my travels. That That's way cool. I can support the local economies and I can get like clothing from countries yeah. where they appreciate color, you know. So. Yeah. But, That's a cool idea. So it's 
Um, and then we're going to travel around Nicaragua together. We're going to hike some volcanoes. We're going to visit the colonial towns of Lyon. And, and uh, I did that in a French town. Lyon and uh, <laughs> Granada, which are Managua, Lyon, and, and Granada are like the three big Spanish colonial ports. Uh, and they're beautiful cities, very colorful. So very excited for that. And then flying 10 days after that to Bogota, uh, Colombia, and I have a big exploration of Colombia. I've, I think of like Pablo Escobar. That's that was Colombia. I'm going right? to his grave. That's part of the That's itinerary awesome. in Medellin. So That's super cool. I'm very um, excited to visit Medellin. But Bogota seems to be one of the most happening cities in the world. I mean, huh. there's tons of nightlife. Everybody's really friendly. Everybody's like polite. Apparently. It, as it was described to me, is is the people in Colombia are polite in the way that people at gyms are polite, where it's almost like, like I got you, bro. It's almost like in your face politeness, yeah. where everybody's like really high on adrenaline and yeah, endorphins. And so everyone's like, shit. no, 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 you got it, you got it. You know, it's like, like really come on, more, forward, one more, man. You know? I'm not even, I'm not even touching the bar, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, very excited to visit Bogota, and from um, I have a map. Out of all the different places, and so when I when I get to a country, the first thing I do is okay, what cities am I gonna go to? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going on a linear route. I sort of pull Makes up sense. Google Maps and trace a line. Okay, I'm going from this city to this city, and then to the border, and then this city and this city, this city, and then to the border. So it's kind of like a you know like a, an actual trip like you'd make in a car. So I try to keep us a, um, a smart a idea. similar path. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't have a car, I'll be taking buses everywhere because that's sort of how they get around there. There's not really any trains. Mm-hmm. In Europe, it's trains. South America, it's buses. Gotcha. Um, so, Colombia, I have a four or five national parks that I'm very excited to visit. Okay. I'm very excited to be back in the jungle. I was in the jungle in the Bahamas, and it's surreal. It's such a psychedelic place. I can imagine the wildlife, you know, the... There's so... Exactly. You're exactly right. So much noise and evidence of, of life. Yeah. That you so you kinda like you It's take a living t- it's a living ecosystem, you know? It's just yeah. an organism. You kinda. get the feeling like you're almost like walking through like a bloodstream. Yeah. And the way the way I usually describe it is I kinda like that analogy even more now, but I the way I usually describe it is like after 20 minutes or so, you stop noticing things like bugs on your skin and moisture just because there's so much of it. If you, beca- you, if you become you go one of the insane, fucking bugs. You go insane if you, if you yeah. focused on it. So you kind of lose track and you become like just a ball, like a consciousness sort of floating yeah. through this crazy world. And your senses like tune into every That's chirp awesome. and every croak. So have you thought about while you're down there, like maybe doing ayahuasca or something? So here's the thing. I know that a lot of Americans are going down to places like that to do ayahuasca. And I've heard that that is like number one go-to site for getting taken for everything you're worth. Uh, That makes sense. So (laughs) I didn't plan out ayahuasca, but I'll be staying in so many hostels that I cannot imagine I won't run into some gung-ho Australians. Like, like, we're going to take some ayahuasca You want to come? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, sure. You know, so I... My opportunity to do ayahuasca will come as a result of meeting somebody who like already has a guy, yeah. As opposed to just trying to navigate through that maze on my own. That'd be I terrifying. Guess. You just you're high as fuck on ayahuasca, and somebody just starts taking on taking your on shit. Your you're, shit like, and you're like, what? No. He's like, don't worry, man. There's no such thing as ownership, anyways. <laughs> it's fine. Exactly. So, um, so. Colombia. I'm going to Cali, and I want to stay in Cali along, uh, like a cup, like maybe a week, maybe two weeks, because I want to learn. You can buy salsa dancing classes for like ten bucks huh. per class, and it's like the salsa capital of the world. Recognized. That's like the where the world salsa competitions are held in Cali, uh, and so I want to stay there and learn how to salsa dance. That's cool. Yeah, I have a like. If I pick a city, I try to find something unique. Like, yeah, any, you know, museums, architecture, cathedrals. I'm always game for that sort of thing. But I always try to pick a city for something like a unique purpose. Mm -hmm. And for Kali, it was the salsa dancing. Because as a result, there's not a whole lot of difference between Kali and Medellin, which is just a little farther. It's like 
six hours north, but they're in the same kind of terrain. It's sort of like tr- mountainous yet still kind of tropical. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they're very similar in population and. But Cali does salsa, so I want to do that. And eventually, I'm just going to travel south through Colombia to the border, go into Ecuador. And now, in Ecuador, the reason I picked Ecuador and Peru and Chile originally was because I wanted to do a sort of Incan Empire adventure. Huh. Because the Incan roads, I don't know if, if you were aware, I like history and this topic tends to really interest me but there was an empire pre-columbian empire in south america called the inca and they were sort of they were south of the maya and south of the aztecs they were like the three big pre-columbian civilizations so they were the andeans they lived in south america in the andes mountains and they were known for creating massive stone structures machu picchu okay etc but also building roads they had a road they had a road I think stretches twenty thousand kilometers. Are they the ones that drew the um, things you can see from the sky, like the ants and the, the Nazca lizards? lines? Yeah. So I'm no, that's from the Nazca culture, which we okay. know almost nothing about. Gotcha. So that was like pre-Inca. Inca were actually like when the when Europe's when the Europeans were developing the use of cannon and the battlefield, the Incans were building their own tribal empire. But just like everybody else, they were destroyed by the uh, conquistadors. Gotcha. Um, so they they made like a road network from southern Colombia and Bolivia to like Argentina. Hmm. A road, and it was for runners, traders, anybody who wanted to use it. Uh, you know, parts of the empire, and apparently they had so much gold that they built an entire city of gold. El Dorado. El Dorado. Yeah. Um, never been discovered, but. Yeah, they there's a, a town I'm going to. I think it's called Cuenca. It's an it's an uh, Incan major Incan city that the Spanish just sort of occupied, and then it became a major Spanish city. Okay. And in this city, there is a big rock or stone building, which was the room where the Spanish had captured the Incan, the last emperor, Atahualpa. And said, if your subjects can't fill this room with gold and silver, we're going to kill you. So Damn. he orders all his subjects to bring all their gold and silver. And they fill a room, which is apparently like the size of a school gymnasium to the ceiling, with gold and silver. It's, wait, is this just a legend or do they actually have... Well, they have the room. So I'm going to visit the room. Oh. Yeah, so... Jeez. That's how like big this deal, this empire was. It was... Um, you know, the Aztecs had their golden age, and the Mayans were obviously very advanced and confusing, still confusing ways. But the Incans, in terms of engineering, it was it's unlike anything. I Are mean, they the ones that kind of vanished without a trace, or was that the Aztecs or the Mayans? I think the Mayans were known for vanishing. Wow. The Incans were all destroyed by the Spanish. Okay. But, like, they would build giant castle cities on mountains just in the most inaccessible ways like Machu Picchu for example that wasn't a fortress I think that was actually like his resort town but the four day trek to get to Machu Picchu it goes through the sacred valley of the Inca okay every mountain almost every mountain has like a fortress made on the crest of it they were impossibly confound you know profoundly good at making fortifications and stone big stone structures without any mortar without any mortar to hold the stones together and like literally on the side of mountains not not like not like a a plateau or an escarpment i literally mean like the the slopes of a mountain that you would climb up with ropes yeah they build their homes on yes it's, it's I think I think I've seen I think I saw that. a documentary about that once and it's just absolutely incredible like human ingenuity for just primitive tools exactly assuming and, it's not made by aliens yeah that's, that's <laughs> a big assumption you know? um, anyway so that was why I originally had selected Ecuador Peru Chile I thought I can do some great eco travel and mm-hmm. I'll get to see these crazy archaeological sites yeah so my journey through Ecuador will go through Quito 
tucked away in the Andes Mountains at like 12,000 feet elevation. It's the second highest capital city in the world. Nice. Um, so Quito, volcanoes, natural parks, and then you start on, and as I move south, through Ecuador, Peru, and Chile, I'll be. I have different day hikes or multiple day hikes planned on stretches of the old Inca highway. That's awesome. So and and they usually end up at like sites, fortresses, etc. So um, then in Peru, it's a little different. There's a lot more to see in Peru than say Ecuador. Ecuador is a smaller country, and the government doesn't really like, let's say, freedom of the press and freedom of like. Gotcha. No, they're not. They're they're capitalists, but they're not like very good at making sure everybody has the uh, equal opportunities. Yeah. Let's say I don't really know what they get up to. I'm not here to put them down. They have the twentieth best standard of healthcare in the world. Really, confusingly, but yeah, I, I know that they're um, for a little South American country. Yeah, right. It's, huh. And I don't know if that has something to do with the fact that it is small, or the fact that these countries, Ecuador, Peru, and Chile, are experiencing economic growth rates larger than almost anywhere in the world. Huh. It's another reason why I wanted to go sort of like a political tourism. I want to see how that rapid growth affects people who maybe aren't ready for it. Like, Well, you can also see the difference between communist-controlled and uh, capitalist-controlled yeah. countries. Kind of very excited. You could be a lot better at debating because you're like, hey, I was fucking there. Let me tell you what yeah, I saw. I'm very excited to go to Nicaragua for that reason. I learned about the Iran-Contra affair and yeah, you were telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, that was intense. Horribly, okay. and and what I learned, what I kind of followed that trail of M and M's, and learned that the guy when the when the Sandinistas, when the Americans were found out, and the Contras were sort of recognized as American insurgents, the Sandinistas put up for real or for election a guy a candidate named daniel ortega and he was defeated in the first like clean election that they had i see you doing air quotes yeah i was doing the air quotes because (laughs) allegedly it was clean that was the official story but you know who who could say at that point in the country's history but they put a candidate forward named daniel ortega he was defeated by a woman the first democratically elected woman in south america but he is in power now. Oh. So the same Sandinista guy is who was, who they, you know, controlled the country during the Contra affair. He's, he was defeated, yes, but he was reelected in 2002. And I think again in 2008. Okay. And the, he's trying to get a law through Congress to allow him to get reelected a third time. So he's still there. So I'm excited to look for traces of that lineage gotcha. around. When I asked my teacher what the currency exchange rate is in, like in Nicaragua, she said um, the banks will do it for free, and it's twenty nine eighty uh, cordobos per dollar. And I what? said, "What? So, so you're uh, so how much? Sorry, one dollar is twenty two twenty nine point eighty. Cordobas. Oh my God! And I said it was twenty nine fifty this morning when I looked, and she said, "By the next lesson, it'll probably be like thirty one eighty." And so Jeez. something is clearly going wrong with the country. And yeah, I'm, she was very vague about it. I'm excited to learn more. Hopefully, not in a bad. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not like something yeah. terrible. I mean, are, have you so have you been paying attention to the news in these countries at all to see what it's going to be like when you get there? Um, gee, I should have probably right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not not terribly much. Yeah, I I I focused more on the history, okay, than on what's Current happening events. now. Maybe stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> you know that's just. I feel for me, I guess I'm the kind of guy who thinks I want to learn about something. Yeah, I'll start with the history of that thing as opposed to what's currently happening Mm -hmm. and i guess i just sort of do that with everything sure i I think that's just my go-to moment like for instance i've really gotten into psychology recently Uh uh-huh so if i you know the first thing i did was start reading the old Uh, precursor to psychologists like nietzsche from you know the 1800s so 
as opposed to any modern papers being published now. Okay. And my thought with that is you always want to build the classical foundation. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of that stuff's required reading in some classes still, right? I would hope. I have no idea. I didn't go to school, so oh. you've got me there. Y yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people definitely still, it seems like they respect the classics because, you know, that's where, like you said, the foundation is for a lot of this. So I think that's a great idea. You know, so you'll have, maybe you'll, you know about more about the countries than some of the people who live there. That would be weird and uncomfortable. I'm not sure I could describe the Iran-Contra affair in Spanish to somebody, but <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting thing. My, my teacher Can you do it will... in charades, though, if you had to? Like, you had to neigh like a horse? I don't know if <laughs> that's true. Well, I, my Spanish isn't bad, Oh, cool. I would say. Um, it's difficult because each country has a different accent, and they do speak... Muy, muy rápido. Muy, muy rápido. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> and I'm doing my best to listen to real Spanish people talk, news, mm -hmm. etc. Trying to, because so Tune many ears, Spanish words, yeah, so many Spanish words are small and they're all prepositions. So you need to know the small words to understand what comes next. Like I can usually pick out verbs uh -huh. or proper nouns. Those aren't too hard, but it's like, if somebody says like, a fin de que. That's th four different words. A fin de que. Yeah. Before they said something. And let's say, so let's say they say, um, a fin de que entrenar. I know that entrenar is that's to train. That's very easy to hear okay. for me. Um, a fin de que is four different words. So that's for me the biggest challenge is to be able to like pick out the groups in between. It's sort of like traveling from island to island each gotcha proper noun or verb is like an island sure. in between it's just like raging ocean of just <laughs> blah, 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 you know, so i'm doing my best but i was able to explain to my teacher and i'm very proud of this i was able to explain to her why the scientific method is important in spanish that's good yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good also because i'm one of those dopes who can't talk about like normal things like the weather i have to always gotcha. like, just stay so fucking turned on but i uh, hopefully hopefully you can do like it's raining outside or yeah, it's sunny um, outside you know i understand good. certain you things, got it but like <laughs> and 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 what i know i can do is because i can speak fairly fluently i can explain to them so say they say something i'm like gay you know what yeah they repeat Puedas repetir despacio, por favor. Could you please repeat that slowly? Yeah. Say they do it and I still don't understand. I have the ability to say, Lo siento, no entiendo. Gotcha. Estoy no entiendo, mi, mi amigo. You know, I don't understand, my friend. So I can tell them at least that, like, yeah. sorry, man, you know, you guys speak really quick or your accent's too thick. I can explain that to them so at least they don't think I'm just some dumb, yeah. ignorant white Survey guy. Cerveza, por favor. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, just to finish up with your earlier, earlier question, just going, going through in Peru, same thing, Machu Picchu, Nazca Lines. I might go to the Galapagos Islands. Probably okay. not because that's way expensive and sure. a real tourist trap. But... Just traveling through on a sort of linear path, seeing towns, meeting locals, uh, a lot of natural day hikes, multiple day hikes in parks. In Chile, I'm going to the Atacama Desert, the driest place in the world where it's never rained. Wow. Yeah. Um, so apparently the, the stars oh, in the man. Atacama Desert, because it's at like, Probably you know, humbling. like 14,000 feet elevation is apparently like one of the best views of the Milky Way on the Earth. God, you know? just looking out into infinity. Yeah, because you know? since there's no clouds, yeah. there's no moisture. Probably very little air pollution. Have, like just open sky. Jeez, so, I've never, I've never like seen it like that. Me neither. Before. Me neither. So I can't imagine like you know how people lived for millions of years or pre-humans, whatever, just getting to look out at night and see infinity. You know, now we see clouds or light pollution and it's very kind of disconnecting from the cosmos so i can only imagine what it's going to be like out there being you know so much closer to primitive um you know human nature you know you, you do get the feeling like because that's not there mm -hmm. there's a certain smallness yeah to day-to-day -day life like especially in in ordinary situations like people getting really upset behind the wheel of their car you yeah. just feel like if they had that to look at every day they might yeah. be a little more chill yeah, probably <laughs> i know i would for sure 
So when so what are you wrapping up your trip with? You know what are what are the last places you're visiting? Santiago de Chile is the f- capital of Chile and the final destination that I have planned. Cool. Once I reach there, I will make a decision whether to return based on how many funds I have left. Um, maybe keep going into Argentina. Of course, the problem with Chile is it's like four thousand miles tall and like a hundred miles wide. So, okay. so like if you're trying to get south, there's a lot of nothing, mm. and unfortunately, there's a lot of country too because like it just goes on. Chile, it's like. Yeah. It's like if you've ever had a girlfriend who takes up the big majority of the bed and you're reduced to like cowering on one side <laughs> of it, that's Chile on the South American continent. It's just like gotcha. west of the Andes and nothing else. Sure. So um, when I get to Chile, I'll come home if I, let's say I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. if I don't have any money, if I'm maybe I'm, I've picked up an injury, anything gotcha. like that, um, uh, Chile would be the ideal stopping point. But let's say I... I was able to live in Europe on a thousand dollars a month. Okay, and that's in Europe. And how many months did you go? Uh, two and a, uh, just under three, so like okay. two and two thirds. Well, given the exchange rate for some of those countries, I could reach Chile with like. Now, of course, I'll be doing way more shit. Yeah. Because I have a lot more money, and it's very cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to worry about making sure McKinley is enjoying her time. <laughs> Um, not that, that I loved traveling with my sister. That was excellent. I would have not done it without her, but, um, you get to kind of just, you know, yeah, I get do to, whatever I you want to pick do. what, yeah. what I want to do. That's the thing. So, um, let's say I have three grand. I might keep going. Maybe I'll keep my eye out for something else that I could do. Maybe fly to Brazil and then fly home. You know, from you know, maybe I'll Learn fly to like Rio de there. Janeiro, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, so it'll it's it, the the further the months go on, the warmer it'll get mm-hmm. there because the seasons are reversed. Yeah. So. So it might not actually be a bad industry. time to go down there because it's not going to be scorching. Absolutely, yeah. So I know, um, just because summer is popular for leaving for the western world Mm -hmm. the western months tend to be the high or the let's say the summer months tend to be the high months in south america despite the fact that the weather actually is much better in let's like october november yeah because the earth is tilted on its axis so the southern hemisphere so in summer shit i had this memorized so in winter, this it's we have our farthest revolution, or you know we're moving slowly. So the sun is here, is and and is my microphone, and the Earth is tilted on its axis. So yeah, the summer months we're like here. Yeah. So the northern hemisphere is really close to the sun when we're close to the sun, but because it like Kepler's law of planetary motion, because we are on the height of that oval mm-hmm. in the winter the southern hemisphere when the you know when we're, the planet itself is farthest away from the sun the southern hemisphere sticks out because we're tilted on our axis yeah so the southern hemisphere actually gets a lot more sun during the winter so gotcha it's actually a lot warmer there that makes sense yeah so we're approaching the hour mark and there's a couple questions i want to ask go you. for it what are you looking forward to most about your traveling that's an impossibly difficult question to answer, but I will do my best, Stefan. I'm going to say um, I'm bringing with me podcasting capabilities. I did want to... That was actually my next question. So, so I'd say maybe my favorite thing will be just recording my travels and trying to make a career as a travel personality while I'm doing it. Cool. Yeah, but, that was going to be But otherwise, you, you might say... You know, Machu Picchu. Actually, there's one particular. It's a three-day trek, or a five-day trek again across the Azus. Um, let's see the Sierra Sierra Nevada, Asuchem. No, that's Italian. Asusena, Asusena, Cordilleras, Cordilleras, Cordilleras. Anyway, they're called the Rainbow Mountains gotcha. in Peru. It's a five-day trek, and 
you can do it by yourself, which is cool because not a lot of these trucks you you kind of have to hire a guide. Sometimes you can kind of not. It's risky, but this one has a very clear path. Mm-hmm. Five day trek, and everybody who said they've been on this trek said they didn't see a single soul. Wow. I'm looking forward to five days completely alone wow. at 14,000 feet at the Andes. That's intense. Of complete isolation, unbelievable sky above, just me, my backpack, and then at the final day, you walk into the Rainbow Mountains, which are literally, like, they're they're so perfectly triangular, like uh, the ridge lines. Sure. And they are just cloaked with these stripes of very pastel blue green red tan it's otherworldly so that particular hike is exciting just because i want to see what the i want to see where my mind goes with that much isolation yeah (laughs) that's 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 something definitely i can't imagine how i would handle that i'm excited for that one you kind of get hit that reset button you know which I feel is very important. Yeah, I think everybody could kind of use that. Absolutely. All right. I think that's you answered one of my other questions. I wanted to go um, at the end of, go with at the end of this, which is, you know, what what can we expect from you podcasting? You know, updating. You know, with pictures, stuff like that. Will you be recording yourself at any point, like camera or anything? I thought about. I kind of had to pick like two of three. I had like three yeah. options, right? So I had to sort of pick. Um, like guest, well, not really. I didn't have to pick like either or, but I only had a certain amount of money to spend on equipment. Sure. And if, if I do do any video, like it would be great to have a GoPro. I just think it would oh be a God. little too much to like account for my phone, my tablet, my portable microphones and a GoPro with harnesses. Like that's a lot of equipment. And, gotcha. And there's a lot of stuff I'll to, be doing yeah. where there there won't be much of a reason to do a, like a GoPro. Yeah. Like a lot of times I'll just be in cities or hanging out with locals. So well, and you wouldn't want to get weighed down by technology. Exactly. You know? So I had to decide that, you know, I made that decision that I just wanted to do the just photos. I made an Instagram account for this uh, nice. occasion. So that's chasing diamonds underscore Andy. Go follow it. Go follow it, um, and you can follow along as I take photographs. Um, I specifically bought a newer iPhone, so I have a better camera. Cool. And then for my podcasting capabilities, I have a tablet, and I have two lavalier like clip-on microphones, cool. splitter, and they both they have monitor cap. Talk to some as of well, the locals. So. Yeah. So yeah. what you find when you're traveling is, damn, if I wish. You know, if I had the ability to have these conversations recorded, there was probably ten people I could name rapidly in Europe who I wish I had I had a chance to yeah. be able to record a conversation. And so I just knew that if I was going to go again, I wanted to have that capability. The other thing is travel podcasts. There isn't a lot that I are can't good. Say I know many. So there's one. Any. The best one I've found, and I totally happy to give them a shout out here because they're great and they're sort of friends we've had contact before they're amanda and ryan do the world wanderers podcast okay and they're two canadians and they're digital nomads so they work from their computers and so they just travel and basically almost endlessly um but i wanted to i looked at what podcasts there were and i noticed there was a niche that could be filled that a psycho like me might be able to do which is that there isn't really anybody who gives you direct from experience reporting. So like Gonzo traveling podcast. So I want to get <laughs> deep in whatever I'm doing and I have a tablet and a little clip on mic. So I will be able to record experiences I'm having at the moment of experience. Okay. So you get a really That's awesome. truthful interpretation of what I'm experiencing at that moment. That's awesome. And so... That was, again, the sort of genesis of the podcast in the first place. And I'm trying to, I have a, I'm a very, uh, I have high in trait openness. I'm a pretty creative and not um, orderly guy. And so it's hard for me to hold down something for a long period of time. Even if it's something I love, like martial arts, I did passionately for seven months. But I was like, I can't do it anymore, guys. I'm exhausted. So I I tend to do that a lot. Um, 
Obviously, travel is unique in the fact that it comes around only, you know, it comes around in like waves. Yeah, waves so, of your life you can do. Exactly. So there, you do get a rest period. And, and for that reason, I think I'll have a better uh, time sticking with it. So I'm trying gotcha. to sort of make my way into a pot, gaining the credentials to become a sort of travel personality in the vein of like an Anthony Bourdain. Dude, Obviously, I fucking love like, it. That's what I was thinking that's when like you were saying my that. Dad, I fucking love my it. My brother man. said that's like that's like saying I want to be a baseball player. I want to be a Derek Jeter. You know, like <laughs> you're aiming for the yeah, uh, the grandstands there, but it's I a mean, good person to aim for. I mean, he's one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah, for sure. So, it's definitely something like that where I feel like if I can get enough exposure, especially internationally as mm -hmm. I go being able to hand out business cards say this is my podcast if you want to follow in on my experiences you know probably lie say i'm going to a bunch of other places <laughs> afterwards you know but if i could get a commute you know like that together a life where i can travel and podcast and that's all i have to do that sounds like a fun then one. i've made it <laughs> you know so <laughs> so that's that's what people can expect from my podcast is as you put it gonzo reporting of of what i'm experiencing as gotcha I experience it well the last thing i was going to say is go ahead and plug your podcast but it sounds like that yeah was a pretty yeah, good chasing diamonds with andy it's on itunes uh it's on soundcloud but i won't um it's much easier to just go on iTunes and just hit that subscribe button and yeah. the episodes will pop up on your phone as I release them, which I will do whenever I hit Wi-Fi. <laughs> and uh, give the Instagram account again. So that's chasing diamonds underscore Andy on Instagram. And so any experience, if you hear me describing something like the stairs of death on Machu Picchu, <laughs> um, I'll be, you know, I'll make sure to make notes of anything I reference and po post those on Instagram so you can see what I was referring to. That's awesome. Well, I Andy, really appreciate you having me Yeah, on. dude, thanks for coming on. This has been f absolutely fascinating. Been it makes pleasure. me want to get out there and maybe travel a little bit more than I have gone to Canada before. <laughs> That's all I can hope. I hope I can inspire people. That's all I've ever hoped in my whole life. Well, I appreciate like coming on the show, man. Cheers. All right. Thank you for joining us. Um, look forward to seeing you all next time. Goodbye.